If you've been wishing, hoping, and dreaming about taking your business from six figures to multi-six figures or multi-six figures to seven figures, then I wanna make sure you get our new free guide, the multi-six and seven-figure scaling roadmap. Inside the guide, I pulled back the curtains and I shared all the strategies that I used and they can help you too. First, they can help you triple your monthly sales. I shared proven strategies with you that led to a 3X increase in my monthly sales. Second, I show you exactly how to crush your limiting beliefs. Say goodbye to doubts like, you can't charge that much and there aren't enough ideal clients for you too. Third, how to only work with ideal clients. I show you how to become the go-to expert and attract only the perfect clients and referrals. And finally, I show you how to quantum leap to $20,000 plus every single month. I show you exactly how to take a quantum leap from 8,000 per month, for example, to 20,000 a month. You can absolutely break through your upper limit barrier and enjoy five and six figure months every single month. Make 2024 your dream come true year by downloading your free guide today. Just click the link in the show notes below. Welcome to Double Your Sales Now, where you'll discover top resources for selling strategies, powerful tips, and best practices to open your mind and performance to the next level. You can double your sales too. So let's get to it with your sales coach, Ursula Menches. Hey everybody, welcome back to Double Your Sales Now. I'm so excited because I have a very special guest to help us wrap up 2020. Abel James is with me today and we're gonna be talking about why he and his wife, Allison, created Wild Superfoods, a nutritional supplements combining cutting edge science with ancient wisdom company to help you look, feel, and perform your best. We're gonna talk about a lot of other things because Abel is multi-multi-talented in the world of entrepreneurship. Get ready to take a lot of notes. Abel, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. We're going to have so much fun. I just want to say thank you to our listeners all over the world. I love getting your emails. I love hearing how you're growing your businesses and getting hope during this pandemic that it is possible. We've shared a lot of stories this year about companies that have busted through, some even having their best years yet. So don't give up. This can still be a phenomenal rest of the month. And as you move into 2021, Remember in 2020, we thought that was going to be our best year? No, 2021 is going to be everyone's best year yet. So set yourself up to succeed. And really quickly, the 2X intensive course that we rolled out, we have clients who are not only shaving off 10 or more hours a week, but setting up a plan to hit 250, 500,000 or break their, their, their first million. If you are ready to do that in 2021, just go to salescoachnow.com forward slash apply, send us your information. My team will get you all the details and we'll be able to support you on that growth. All right, so I want, let me tell you about Abel. So first and foremost, many of you remember I interviewed Steve Miska and just you guys know, like Steve's an amazing gentleman. We were also sponsors for First Amendment Voice this year and we've just been involved in a lot of different ways. Well, Abel was actually one of their speakers and um, Steve told me about Abel years ago because he's like, Ursula, I know you love podcasts. You got to check this guy out. Abel, he's got this show called Fat Burning Man. And I'm like, Steve, I'm not a dude. And he said, that's okay. You're going to, he talks about women. There's lots of things on there for you as well. His wife, Allison comes on. So I said, okay. And I can tell you, not only reading The Wild Diet and listening to the show, super inspiring and very well researched. I'm sure, Abel, that's one of the reasons you've won so many awards with your podcast because just so much research into how to be healthy right now. And I think there's so much, so much misinformation that's out there. So definitely tune into his podcast. Today you're going to hear from, so let me tell you about Abel. 
He is a New York Times bestselling author, musician, and online creator. He's a host of the award-winning Fat-Burning Man Show, rated as Apple's, I told you, number one health podcast in eight countries with over 50 million downloads and 2,000 plus five-star reviews. 50 million downloads. As podcasters, we all dream of that. A coach to the coaches, Abel has worked with thousands of people across the world to optimize performance, mindset, health, and longevity. He's named one of the 100 most influential people in health and fitness, has been featured in documentaries, ABC, TV, Entertainment Tonight, People, Wired, South by Southwest, and hundreds more. Abel's Hit Podcast is named as one of the top three health and fitness podcasts of all time by Huffington Post and has won four awards in independent media, including People's Choice in Health and Fitness as the, at the Podcast Awards. Also a recording artist, check this out, multi-instrumentalist. I wish I could play the piano. My seven-year-old's learning. And I'm like, can you teach me, buddy? And voice actor, Abel has won several awards, including Outstanding Achievement in Songwriting and R&B by the Great American Song Contest. Hailing from the middle of nowhere in New Hampshire, Abel enjoys playing guitar and piano, writing, reading, sketching, running, hiking, and discovering delicious foods with family and friends. He lives with his wife, Allison, and a rambunctious yellow lab in one of my favorite places, the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. His new book, which you're going to want to get, which we all could use right now, is a poetry book, irreverent poetry, Designer Babies Still Get Scabies, a number one international bestseller in humor. So congratulations, Abel. And before, before I jump in with you, I just want to say to all of our listeners, the other thing you'll notice about Abel is super humble. So one, I mean, we only have entrepreneurs on this show who are humble and really willing to share from the heart. And when you hear his podcast, I mean, he's always sharing from that place. So Abel, I want to turn it over to you. First of all, thank you for being here. I know you're going to help a lot of people on just all the things you're going to share today. And I'd love it if you would start with your story, your your entrepreneurial journey, so to speak. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me on. And thanks to you for listening as well. I grew up, as you said, in the middle of nowhere in New Hampshire. But my my dad and a few people around me kind of ran their own, usually one person businesses, or they had a handful of of team members around them. And so entrepreneurship and and kind of having your own business was something that I saw, you know, as a kid, monkey see, monkey do. My mom as well was a nurse practitioner and a holistic nurse practitioner who worked usually in the ER to try to make enough money to get get by and pay off her loans, her student loans and all of that at the time. But then also tried starting her own practice a couple of times. And so I got to see that and kind of like experience both sides of that and saw to some degree the benefits of, or at least I heard what my dad said about never wanting to have a boss again. Right. He'd kind of gone throughout his whole life that way. I'm like, wow, you can do that? And so I think I, I take that for granted and I don't usually include that as part of my story, but it is something that the, you know, the older I get and the more people I meet, uh, entrepreneurship does seem to run in families or at least you, like the people who are exposed to it at a young age it seems like it's in their reality now. And so they don't go down this path where they have to take a job or they have to work really hard at one thing and get good grades and then go to school so that they can get a good job. And that's their only option, right? So there were these other options at the beginning. And so from a young age, you know, I was selling lemonade. And then I started as soon as um, I could under my dad's name, I, I went on eBay and started buying and selling different musical equipment and, and computers and just taking good pictures and writing a good description and trying to be honest about it and get good reviews. Actually, all the way back then in the 90s, on eBay wow. as a reseller, I taught music lessons. As a musician, you have to learn marketing, managing cash flow, changing your strings and 
production, you know, shaking hands and relationships with people trying to get gigs and definitely keep them. And then I started creating music and selling it online through a streaming service called mp3.com when I was 15 or 16 and started making pretty good money back then online, just creating stuff. And so I never really stopped. I have taken a day job at, at one point in my career to pay off my college loans. But pretty much aside from a few years of that, when I was just getting started, it's been entrepreneurship pretty much the whole time. And that means taking on my own loans and debt when I was younger, and then pretty much bootstrapping or going broke and making a little and then going broke in a pattern ever since. <laughs> I can relate to that pattern. Yeah, yeah I, I think about those. We've shared a lot of those those stories on the show. I mean, you know, the when the pandemic started, it gave me flashbacks to the Great Recession. We owned a lot of real estate then, and um, that was very painful and a lot of lessons learned, but also put us back on a path of where we were supposed to be. Like, you right. know, the entrepreneurial journey is always showing you what direction to go. And also, I think the recession really prepared us for this time, right? This very interesting time. So we can, I mean, I know our listeners can appreciate the, the challenges of entrepreneurship and what we learn when we bankrupt or when we lose the, you know, all the real estate or all the things. So one of the things we talk a lot about on the show is limiting beliefs. I'm an NLP certified coach and over like 15 years, I've created a new, a new process of helping people shift beliefs because it's amazing. And I'm sure you being a coach, you know this, the, the stories we tell ourselves about why we can't have a seven-figure business, why we can't be at our ideal weight, why we can't eat healthy, like all of those things. And so when you look back at your journey, Abel, I mean, it sounds like you had so many great mentors, but you also had to forge your own path. What kind of limiting beliefs did you have in the beginning about sales or business or having your own business? I am very shy like at my heart and certainly growing up and like uh, before I became an adult, I've always just had that shyness factor. And that's actually really common amongst performers, artists, writers, people who are, yeah, people who are out there in, in the public eye are often very introverted. And, and so that's something that I've had to get over certainly for the in-person interactions uh, and online interactions as well. But, but the shyness factor doesn't just apply to like your personal life that also shows up in your business. And for me, I've always uh, tried to stay away from the damaging side of marketing and persuasion, which I learned a little too much about as an undergrad. I studied psychology and brain science and, and really wanna, wanted to learn how people work and, and how they think and how they tick. And you can be taken advantage of very easily without you being aware of it, right? Through words, through persuasion, and so oftentimes you'll learn if you follow the numbers, uh, which many people do in marketing, especially internet marketing, you'll find that the more damaging type of marketing you, you use, the more effective it is, right? That's why we see social media networks basically being casino slot machines, essentially, like Candy Crush and all these other things that are taking advantage of our time and attention. And the most effective, like I said, according to the numbers, most of the time, marketing is going to be uh, overly sexual or make people feel bad, like they're missing something, uh, you know, just making sure that they're feeling fear so that they take action and these sorts of things. So a giant challenge is trying to grow multiple businesses uh, without doing that, right? <laughs> you know, avoiding that at all costs when the numbers and when the consultants and when all these other people and the partners or whoever it is, the sponsors, whoever it is, 
They're saying follow the numbers. They're saying do what's most effective. It's that balance that I think is really coming into the spotlight right now for, for most businesses. Yeah, I want to unpack. I definitely want to unpack that because I've invested so much money in marketing, just like you and everybody else. And some of it just felt yucky. And I'm a trained salesperson. I know NLP. I know enough to know when it's bad because there's a lot of bad NLP that has happened in the world. And yeah. and I I mean, well, anyway, we could go down that rabbit hole. But anyway, so so I'm like you in that that we we've always tried to come from a place of authenticity. And yet it's hard. So I would have outside people saying, you're being too nice in this email or what are you trying to do? And so how do you, how do you strike a balance between, between wanting to serve, right? Like someone, if someone wants something like thinking about the coaching space, right? If somebody wants to change something, what's going to help them take that step without coming from, you know, a place in your opinion, like from coming from a place of scarcity or fear. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, what an excellent question that is. The place Just of scarcity. on the spot, totally not scripted, but I'm curious because, and I, I say this because we, we, we try to come from that balance all the time of, like, if you want this, come and take a seat at the table, but not yeah. from a place of your, your life is going to be over. This is your last chance in the world to make this, you know, that kind of thing. Well, yeah, you know, I think those feelings are perfectly natural. And if we try to squelch them, it doesn't work. <laughs> it's not, it's just yeah. not going to work. So we have to um, dance with it a little bit. And in our own businesses, you know, w- when we grow, typically we hire more team, more staff, take on more overhead. And as soon as, you know, we try to spend the money, the cash flow that we have, that's what we've, we've done. And uh, so when that dries up, when the rug is pulled from underneath your feet, uh, that's a really, you feel fear. It, it doesn't, you know, if you're making 50 grand a year or you can survive on a thousand dollars a month, that's great. But you only have like a thousand a month to lose when you're pulling in, you know, six figures a month and you have a whole team and all of a sudden you're losing a hundred thousand dollars a month. That hurts too, but in a, in a really oddly similar way. But the thing that's different is that you have dependents, right? Like you have like a team right? Uh, or you have a family, but the team is something I, I feel fear. You know, when we have to let people go, for whatever reason, whether it's kind of because the cash flow isn't coming in anymore, the business isn't working anymore, or we want to move on to something else, or the team member just, you know, made a big enough mistake where it's not going to work anymore. It's painful every time, it, you know, it's yeah. terrible every time. And every time we lose money on something or invest, it, it depends on your perspective, right? Like every right. time it feels like I lose money, it feels really really bad. My wife will tell you that. Like I take it personally, I feel like a failure. So all these things I think are are really, really normal. And and it's important for people to recognize that the people who are, who from the outside in appear to have a lot of success, even the ones like around me who have made hundreds of millions of dollars have all gone broke like multiple times. Many of them bankrupt multiple times because that's kind of the long-term practice you see these people who get up to these pedestals and you think they stay there that's not how it works whether you're making money or your business it's always changing it's always adapting and so are your interests for me my interests are often changing and of trying so many different businesses is being like what's this like i wonder if that would be fun let's let's try this let's do this one and some of these businesses i i didn't enjoy running at all (laughs) and that's why we let them go in in spite of the money that was coming in a lot of the time it's always about finding that combination of of where your passion 
And where is the business opportunity? Where is the cash flow coming that can support your team? And do you need your team? Because that's another big thing. A lot of people around me have scaled, built businesses, big offices, big team, had to fire them all because their business wasn't that type of business. Most aren't anymore. It's a lot, it's a lot more ephemeral. Everything kind of exists online and may not be brick and mortar. And so it's uh, that can be challenging, but there are definitely ways forward. And, and if you try to play with this, right, like if you try to dance with it, like they said, you don't have to resort to those gross internet marketing tactics and, and the pain uh, points and, and all the rest of that type of marketing. You can focus more on developing relationships with the people around you who are following you and really listening to them and build businesses with them. So a lot of the businesses we've built have come from, you know, our own audience, followers and community being like, hey, you should, have you thought about this? You should build this or, or you should do this thing. I, I saw this guy doing it and he's not doing a good job. I bet you could do better. And so that's where a lot of our projects come from. Yeah. And I've noticed, I mean, I've noticed that in a lot of the people you interview, they're your strategic partners or they're people that you've had long-term relationships with. And, and that comes up a lot on the show when we interview people, which really ties to, so a couple things, um, has, I mean, you're a virtual business for the most part, but has anything like what shifted for you? I mean, obviously you weren't going anywhere and nobody was going anywhere for a while, but what shifted during the pandemic or what did you change in your business? Yeah. Well, yeah. normally I, I travel pretty frequently and I'm going around speaking, hugging people, meeting people, competing in races sometimes, mostly just for fun or, or playing musical events, you know, and all this stuff, uh, including another TV show that I was potentially going to do where I'd be traveling mm. around the country and all this just boom, gone. And apparently not coming back, at least not anytime soon, whether it's the, the music performances, the speaking engagements, the conferences, in-person events, or even travel in general, all of those are really up in the air still. So thankfully, we already had an online business, but the landscape has changed significantly such that, you know, we had millions of people coming to our websites from Google. And many people are aware now of the, the shadow banning, the censorship, the changes in algorithms that really removed independent creators from the equation. If you're trying to use Google, we went from millions of people coming to our websites to, you know, tens of thousands. And that's a big difference wow. when you're selling books, when you're selling courses that are, you know, $19, $5, $27, $50, whatever it is. And so our business models, if that sort of change happens on Google and social media at the same time, which it did to not just us, but many people who run these online alternative health sites have their social media accounts removed with no recourse, they're deplatformed. And, and most of them, like us, have lost pretty much all of their um, incoming organic traffic and even lost, in many cases, the ability to communicate with the very people who subscribe to them. So that's pretty dark. And swallowing that pill while you're trying to save your business is a challenge. And I've seen a lot of people go through really rough times because of that, because when your business starts to fail, and it doesn't feel like it should, or it wasn't right. your fault. That's a whole different. That's that's really what most people are going through right now, who are entrepreneurs. Where this is totally not their fault. They are being prohibited from doing business, running their gym, 
running their, their restaurant or whatever, and then they're being locked into their homes, and then they're going to be kicked out because they can't afford to pay because they were forced to shut down. So that that affects all of our businesses, right? Like half of our, our clients and, and coaches and and uh, community, it seemed like, were those restaurateurs and the people running gyms and the people running their own practices. If they don't have money coming in, they can't pay our businesses in the health field. So anyway, in the world of health, that's been a very challenging thing. Not just in 2020, the censorship really started in 2018, 2019, the algorithm changing so that Fox News and MSNBC and NPR are there instead of, you know, the people who you would usually see on YouTube and social media who are your friends or the people who you subscribe to. That's really changed. So adapting to all of that and trying to dance around it is difficult, but you can do it. And there are enough people working on it right now that uh, there are a lot of people getting each other's backs. You know, like yeah. I've had enough conversations, especially offline with various people where it's just like, yes, we're going to build our way out of this, but that's, that's what it's going to take. It's going to take a lot of work, dedication and persistence and cooperation, I would say. Which is With so unfortunate. Business. It's so unfortunate because entrepreneurs are already working. They're already working too hard. And, and I know, like, I know so many conversations that could be had. I tying to that idea of like what has shifted in terms of advertising, I'm going from millions to thousands, any tips on sales strategies, like your top two that you shifted to, are there other platforms where you're like, yeah, we're hanging out on Instagram or Facebook is not as censored, which I don't know. but like where, <laughs> where, where should we go? What should we do? It surprises most people to hear that, um, for the most part, social media has been completely useless to us our entire career. <laughs> wow. We don't, we don't really use it for business, if that makes sense. We don't try to make money on social media and we don't rely on any of our accounts. And we haven't because we've been censored since 2014 or 15. It's when we really started realizing it. And so it's, it's really been throughout, through our own channels, our own platforms that we've been able to go deeper with our communities. So we have um, obviously a, a number of websites like fatburningman.com is, is the main one that started as a blog, launched the podcast, still hosts all of that. But that has, uh, you know, having that website has allowed us to have a newsletter that's grown to over 100,000 at various times. And we clean it and we remove the old ones. And so it shrinks and grows and shrinks. But, you know, Usually it's been above 70 to a hundred thousand or so for enough years that that's been the thing that's launched almost all of our businesses, almost all the books, almost everything else. Aside from when I go out and do major media appearances, you know, I go on a major TV show or I often go on other people's podcasts and that brings in a steady stream of just new people coming in and, and uh, it's great to meet each other that way. But if it weren't for the newsletter, I don't think we would have really been able to build almost any of these businesses. And uh, when you hear almost everyone talking about how important Instagram and social media is, the only people I've really seen do well in recent years are the ones taking aggressive sponsorships or the ones who are aggressively marketing with, with large amounts, like six figures a month of paid traffic to Facebook, Instagram, or Google. And the way that I see it, although we have experimented with that a little, I just absolutely hate that. I dislike those companies and what they stand for a lot. And I, I can't wait for someone to come and eat their lunch because essentially what they did is um, destroy the communities of independent creators 
who no longer have an ecosystem or a platform to speak freely and communicate with each other. And so uh, paying your way out of this, even if it does make a lot of money, no judgment for the people who are doing that. A lot of people sure. are having success. Um, but I do see it as a giant risk as, you know, many people around me with millions of followers on Facebook, for example, are just having their pages taken down like that, even if they have spent what? millions and millions of dollars in paid traffic. That's that's happening, but it's somewhat invisible because you don't notice when people are taken away, at least not right away. So that's I see it even if it is if it does appear successful, it's a strategy. It can work. You can definitely get scale there. Maybe some businesses even have to do that. Um, but it's a giant risk you know, kind of like handing Facebook the reins when you're not allowed to say what you think anymore. <laughs> you know, at least yeah. that's, that's what I see from where I'm standing. Yeah. That's a lot to take in. And to go back to your original point, a shout out to newsletters. Anyone who thinks newsletters are dead, I have had, I have written my newsletter since my business started in 2004. And that was back in the day where I felt like sending one email a month was a lot, like putting right. my newsletter together, you know, and then we started calling it an e-zine, but I never killed it. I never, you know, people would say like, don't do that anymore. Just send this email or something. And two weeks ago, I had a woman reach out who literally has been on my list since the beginning, she goes, I think I've been on my list, your list for like 15 years in different iterations of my business, right? And I said, I, I think you have. And she's like, hey, I have this opportunity for you. She's never reached out to me. She's always been reading them. And those are the kind of people and that and who are listeners, right? That we love in our community because they're there to support yeah. each other. They're there because they really want to help entrepreneurs do well. So I think I think that's a that's a great point for everyone to take away. Like, what is the organic marketing that you're doing? Have you built your community, your people who are going to stick with you through the good times and the bad? And yes, you're going to clean your list up because <laughs> so that's just part of it. Um, but at the same time, people are going to stick with you for a long time. Yeah. And so when, when that wide, you know, I wanted to have a very wide reach and targeted kind of like the mass audience, especially when I was doing the big TV shows built businesses that worked in that environment. So when that giant reach is reduced, whether it's our fault or, you know, the fault of the people who are reducing it or the algorithms that are, that are doing so you need to adapt. And so for me, it's it, a lot of times I'll take just one of these pieces of paper in a, in a blank notebook. I do this all the time for business exercises, sketching it out, being like, what's the cash flow looking like? What's the, what are the opportunities here? What do we need to let go of? You know? And so for us, the big, the, the big adjustment was not taking our business online since it already mostly was, um, but going deeper with our existing base of, of customers and community who had, who had bought, you know, an app from us years ago or signed up for a newsletter a long time ago, or had uh, subscribed to the podcast. Any one of those things could be you know, a, a touch point that could lead to uh, me taking them on one-on-one -on -one for a coaching client, which I just do mostly every once in a while to stay sharp. I'll keep like a, a handful of them. That doesn't really drive a lot of our revenue, but the supplements now do. That company, Wild Superfoods, didn't exist until about 2018 when we created it to sponsor our own work, essentially be our own sponsors and, and help get it out there on the show so we could remain independent. But also, um, you know, when you 
build a company like that, it's different from the online course and books model where people can only buy that once, right? So we ran into the problem with without a ton more people coming in and buying our products for the first time, we don't really have a business anymore, right? So building the, uh, the wild superfoods is the type of business where we really want to help get people nutrients. We want them to comply. Uh, we, uh, compliance is the biggest factor with like having a meal plan or recipes or whatever. It's like, it's great to have all that information, but it's a lot easier if you can literally send people vegetables and fruits in a powdered form that they can take in the morning and be like, all right, I did something. Now I'm going to go the rest of the day and, and do the rest of these things. And, you know, and so we're building an app now. Um, mm. It's going to be launched in a couple of weeks, the wild challenge app. And so going deeper into businesses that can feed people with something that they can buy multiple times. Um, that's one way to go deeper with the existing audience that you already have. And that's what's worked well for us. Not that we're even much above water a lot of the time, you know, it's still a challenge when you have a team and when you have the overhead of scale, it's kind of like a shark. You don't have the option. When you stop swimming, you start losing money fast, having a big newsletter, having big websites, all that um, takes money to keep it going. So it's important to make these adjustments and swallow that bitter pill every once in a while. Yeah, so good though, so good. And the reminder of just like really looking looking at your business, your current business, and how can you go deeper and wider? Who who is there? Which leads me to um, my last question before we talk. We have you talk about how we can get more from you. Is you are an expert in many things, but I really want you to talk about bootstrapping because that's what you've done. You've you've created so many businesses. And what's really interesting is you're fast to follow your passion. Clearly, I can tell by all the things that you've done, by listening to your show, like that you get an idea and you run with it. And let's face it, that scares the pants off most people, right? They're just not willing. Like it's like the limiting beliefs fly up. And I'm sure you coach people on these things. Like I really want to create this business or here's what I see next. But, but so talk about how you've been able to you know, really overcome any fears and limiting beliefs when you get the idea and what does it mean to bootstrap it? <laughs> you know, sometimes I really burn myself out and I want to do something else. Mm -hmm. I, I regularly take a step back and be like, what, where is the energy? You know, like, where do I want to go next? Because if I don't have that, honestly, I won't have the dedication and persistence I know it takes to do the work to get there. So you don't see me publishing like I could have published another five wild diet books and follow ups and cookbooks and the publishers would have loved that I would have made millions of dollars, but I have no interest in that or I had no interest in doing that right then I would easily go and do another cookbook if I felt like doing it. So that's the musician in me that's like, what do I want to play today? I, if I'm forcing myself to play something, it's not going to be good. So it's, it's a little bit of taking a step back on a regular basis and being like, where are the opportunities? What do I want to do? And then the bootstrapping part is a lot easier because if you're doing work and you need a lot of help and you don't have the passion to learn everything, it's going to be really expensive. But if you're working on a passion project, you know, like are bands expensive like, it's not a thing that you think of as being expensive. But I'll tell you, having run a bunch of bands and, and been a part of many bands, it's a lot of work. It's an extreme amount of work. When you reach any level of scale, you're running a business, you're an entrepreneur, you need a business manager. That's why you have business managers and agents and publishers, in addition to all the musicians. And, you, you know, 
So the bootstrapping comes with the passion. And if you don't have the passion, you're not going to, you're not going to learn everything. You're not going to bootstrap. So for me, I really see this as building skills and perspective. And if you can go throughout your life and pursue these different rabbit holes that you're really interested in, like for me, uh, in 2017 and 2018, I got deep into creating virtual reality experiences. I created over 400 or 500 different music videos, virtual reality adventure tours, and all sorts of crazy stuff, but for like zero financial payoff, you know, like almost zero. No one paid me for that. Um, and it's so early in that market that, well, it may be really valuable later. Um, that was a total passion thing that now allows me to go in other directions, having that experience where I'm doing voiceover work for virtual reality meditations for other people, uh, other people's companies and that sort of thing, doing other virtual reality music experiences. And so sometimes the, the payoff isn't there and that's where the passion comes in. And it's always gonna be that balance of making sure your bills are paid and you're taken care of and the people you love are all taken care of. That's so important, whether that comes from you know, your entrepreneurial venture, or if you have to take a job to do that too, that's perfectly fine. Like make sure that that's taken care of though, so that you don't have to squeeze your passion projects for money right away. Because for me, for me, the money comes a few steps later, usually. So the podcast was a giant hit within the first couple months. It was number two to Jillian Michaels. Then shortly after that, it was number one in health to Jillian Michaels. And I got this, you know, all of these people listening, but I didn't, um, I wasn't, I wasn't making money from that really. I still had a job to make money. And so the other shift was when I published big apps and books, eBooks that would be complementary to what people were learning on the podcast. And then it was obvious having one of the number one health podcasts um, for several, several years around that time, we launched six number one food and drink apps in a row because we were launching the right thing at the right time in a complimentary way. So if we tried to do that now, it wouldn't have the same effect. Really important when you're bootstrapping to build these things in the right order. And when you see that combination of, oh, we've got all this scale right now, what do these people want and need that would be a no brainer compared to just like, you know, selling everyone a mattress, which is kind of the old model. Right. <laughs> this right. is a very different model where you use that passion and the community that, that thrives around that passion you know, that you bring to them, uh, and that they bring to you. And then you build things that fit in that, in that sphere, if that makes sense. It does. And I have a question. So how do you know, how do you know what your community wants? Is it intuitive? Is it, you ask them, is it like, how do you know? Yeah. Look at people's actions more than what they say, because you can build a lot of wrong businesses, just following what your customers say. And, and so like, for example, when I first said the podcast, I'm getting, you know, millions of people listening. And I have these people who are just like, Oh my God, I, I really want to listen to it, but I only listen to CDs, you know, it's I've printed up like hundreds of these shows just to make sure that those people could get it too. And like three people ordered it. I lost like thousands of dollars and, and all these like old CDs for things that people could easily get online. So you have to, you have to look at, um, yes, what they're asking for, but then also what makes sense. So for me, like Going back in time, 2013, number one podcast in health, big reach there. And what's a podcast? Who's listening to a podcast? Apple people back then. Who are Apple people? They they tend to have, you know, 
not exorbitant amounts of money all the time, but like a fair amount of money. They have disposable income. They like good design. They're kind of into the Apple aesthetic, you know, and so we built the whole app according to like that idea of who is using an iPhone right now, you know? And so if I had tried to launch on Android from an Apple podcast, it would have been a giant flop, I think, or it might've done okay. But like, that's the magic, right? It had to be the podcast. They're listening on their Apple device because it was 2013. That's where the <laughs> podcasts pretty much were. Who is that person? Build something that's meant for them exactly. And that's what we did. And that worked really well. Because if you're just if you're just kind of beta testing and doing it slowly and, and throwing stuff against the wall to see if it sticks, I don't think that's going to work quite as well. It has to be a combination of the intuition and then the more kind of like left brain thinking where you're analyzing things logically, looking at the market opportunities. And I enjoy both of those things because there are best practices. That's another big thing. It's like I'm trying all these different domains to see what the different best practices are that you can bring to the other ones. Okay. I have one more question for you because I have you here. So I'm just going to be, I'm just going to ask. So the whole, so you're doing so many things. You're doing the passion projects. You have the podcast. You're, you have a few, a handful of coaching clients. You've got other businesses. Who knows what else you're doing, right? Like you're creating so many things. One of the things we hear from entrepreneurs all the time, and I'm sure you hear this as well, is I don't have time. I can't make yeah. the time. There's this whole you know, belief system about that we don't have enough time. And I know from your show, you know, you also make time to take really good care of yourself. I mean, you and Allison eat well. By the way, shout out for Allison's um, coffee cake. Side yes. anyway, yeah, best ever. So make another diet book, not, or, uh, not diet, but recipe book. Yes. So going back to that though, like how do you successfully manage your time? Like just a few tips and then we'll wrap up. Okay, I do not do all of this stuff at once. That's the weird part. Like when you hear someone's bio, it's like, oh, they did all this stuff. No, that's, you know, many years of different projects doing different things at the same time. So for example, like um, I love playing the saxophone. That was my first like main love for an instrument. I, I am terrible at the saxophone right now. I don't have my chops at all. I don't have my embouchure because I'm not playing. I'm playing guitar and I'm singing. I can't do all those things at once. It's, mm -hmm. it's more like, do you want to get ready for basketball season? Do you want to get ready for base, baseball season? It's one of these things where you train up for the skill that you want to practice and exercise and get to a decent level of, you know, competitiveness or wherever you want to kind of be or, or however you want to describe that. It's, it's more about doing those things. And so I batched them. So if I'm doing an album, like for my album Swamp Thing, where I was playing a lot of saxophone, I went back to the same stuff that I was practicing when I was a teenager, literally the same exact books, going through the fingerings, playing with the metronome and practicing back up like you were getting, like if you were getting back in shape um, to compete in track again, even though you're in your thirties or forties, you do the same stuff that you did. You make some adjustments, right? But you do the same stuff. And so you have to do that work, you batch it. And then I record a ton and then um, I'll keep playing and keep up that skill if I want to, but I might not like right now, <laughs> looking around me, there are eight inches of snow and ice. I'm just surrounded. I love running up the mountain. That's what I do for my workout. But I haven't been able to go out for weeks, not in that way, because you just can't. It's not practical. You have to adjust. So look at this as different seasons for the businesses. Like I'm not interested in publishing our own apps and, and having the tech team again and doing it that way. But we're launching a new app in a completely different way. Again, in in it's important to follow the seasons of the things that will be most appropriate 
for mm. what we're going after. And if you don't have, I mean, I don't have time today. I don't have time today to do any of the things other than recording what is it, seven to nine of these in a row. <laughs> like, so I can't be playing guitar for three hours and I can't be running my business or even replying to emails for the most part. You have to prioritize these things and be very specific about what you want to get done. And then you can make time for anything. Perfect. All right. We could talk forever or I could. And I know you have other you have other things coming up. Speaking of time. So in wrapping up, I mean, there's a few there's so many things like there's, of course, the Fat Burning Man show. So fatburningman.com is a place to yep. hang out. Right. Um, but tell us where we can get where can our listeners get your book? Where should they get your book? The Wild Diet. Um, where should they get your new book? Designer Baby Still Gets Babies. Where can they get Dry Farm Wines? Like where are all the things? Yeah, so easiest place to find me, like you said, is going to be fatburningman.com. You can look up the Fat Burning Man show on different podcasts and video platforms as well. Um, Wild Superfoods is the name of our supplement line. We have a collagen cocoa that's delicious, hot or cold, uh, that, that we're really proud of that just launched this year. And then we've got uh, Future Greens, Vitamin D, Vitamin C, a lot of the boring foundational supplements that we're trying to do just really honestly and well. People know they need, but they don't always take them. Um, so that's that. We're really excited about that that because it's launching in conjunction as well with our new Wild Challenge app, which should be available. I think we're going to set it up at fatburningman.com/app, and then you know just for the various projects and, and various things. If you're interested in our work, just check out ablejames.com. A B E L james.com and right. i you know dm me leave a comment as useless as social media is for most marketing purposes i think it's a great way to meet new people and connect with them so what i try to do is you know whatever connections there are the messages and, and the comments i try to get it offline and, and bring people on my podcast or collaborate in some way or just email back and forth and i really enjoy connecting with people so I, i'm trying to help everyone see that this should be a more human process transactional if that makes sense yeah it makes a lot of sense awesome well that's a perfect way to end the show so abel thanks for being on the double your sales now show thank you for taking the time to share all of your information and also just all the things you're up to in the world and we wish you the best we hope 2021 you know all the crazy aside all the censoring all the stuff aside that next year may be your best year yet and all your business partners as well so thanks for being here thank you so much and likewise yeah. Thanks everybody for our listeners all over the world. We love hearing from you. You can email me directly at Ursula at salescoachnow.com or if it's easier, because I know my name's kind of a pain, email contact at salescoachnow.com. I read all the emails. I respond to them. I love hearing from all of you. So that's it for now. Wishing you your most epic 2021 that you can imagine. Thanks for listening to Double Your Sales Now. To get more information to take your sales to the next level, visit us at salescoachnow.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to tune in next week. And until then, we'd appreciate your review on iTunes.